Are you recording now? Recording. <laughs> this is gonna sound weird. Things are about to get weird. Just get to the murder. Yeah, but I'm ready for the summer beers. I'm ready for it to get a little bit warmer. Now, I don't normally like the summer. As you know, I'm not a summer person. I'm a fall and uh-huh. spring person. But I'm ready for the sum, uh, the Sam Adams summer beer. Uh-huh. Uh, it's delicious. I like to drink it by the pool. I'm ready to sit by the pool. There, I said it. I'm sick of this this long-ass, cold-ass winter that we've been having. This cold-ass winter has got me dead. Today, honestly, it's felt pretty good this week. It's been, like, in the 60s, 70s. So, let's keep it up, North Carolina. Can we we do it? Probably not. Probably not. It'll probably be, like, freezing cold tomorrow. When are y'all putting y'all's pool up? Uh, you know, I couldn't say. Um, it's probably, it's currently in a, in a box, uh, in Brandon's building, so it's probably covered in mold, um, because I'm telling you, when you get a Walmart pool, it's impossible to dry before you put it up. Like, it was absolutely impossible, so we just rolled that shit up and threw it in there. So, uh, you know what? We may just have to buy a whole new one. God. But, you know, it's okay. Hope you get another stimulus check. That's what paid for the last one. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're right. Uh, it was Brandon's choice. It was his check. He That's what he chose to do with it. I didn't get a check, so I I don't have any part to play in this. Well, yeah, because you don't have a job. No, I do not. I'm broke. I'm, I'm oh so broke right now. I'm talking oh so broke. I haven't been this broke since high school. Um, and I didn't have a job in high school, so if that tells you anything, I'm very extremely broke. It's okay, though, um, because one day I'll make just enough money to pay for child care, probably. <laughs> <laughs> There's the spirit. So yeah. Now, yeah. here's a little bit of ASMR for y'all. There you go. Wow. What is what? You, wow. What is that? What you what you cracking open? Cracking open a Michelob Ultra. These are left over. Um from the last time I went over to your house. I don't have anything fancy. Um, but next time I go to Harris Teeter and I have time to kind of look, ponder the options, I will be getting something more fancier than a Michelob. What are you drinking? I'm drinking something fancy. I'm drinking a Sweetwater Going Coastal IPA with pineapple. Uh, Brandon got me these for my birthday. They got, look, you got a little fish on that it. Good. I like a pineapple beer. It's pretty good. It's not too pineapple-y. Sounds summery. Uh, kind of, but you know, it's the IPA, so it's a little hoppy. Oh, God! And then I have no! Sh- no! Not an IPA! And I have... Uh-huh. And I have a strawberry uh, Bud Light Seltzer on the back burner for when this one runs out. <laughs> yeah. But um, I'm drinking... But this is not... Th- what? <laughs> this is not a... What? This is actually not a... What is it? True Crime Garage, where, you know, that every week it's a different beer. <laughs> this is actually what, uh, is this the first time we've ever drank a beer while recording? Yeah, it yeah. is. I've never drank a beer while recording. Yeah, I think uh, initially we were too nervous when we started to record, so we were like, absolutely not, not even water for these gals. Um, 
No. And now and also nowadays you're at school, so you can't be drinking and reading yep. law books. No, but I ain't got homework tomorrow, so we're getting turned up on an IPA. Uh, but if you're wondering what this is, it's a podcast called This Is Gonna Sound Weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, during this podcast, we-, we talk about everything true crime, paranormal, everything in between. This is true. Can you hear our ASMR <laughs> swallowing? Probably not. Yeah, that that uh, last one that you did, I definitely could t- hear. I think everyone at home will be able to hear that one. Um, but this, well, I'm record, I'm uh, editing, so we'll see. We'll see what it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, we're gonna see. But this week, our theme is survivor story. So, however you wanted mm-hmm. to take that, um, mine is just I'll be reciting the Destiny's Child song, "Survivor." I'm gonna make it. Well, I'm just narrating an episode of Survivor, so. Right, we're s- we're on the <laughs> same page. We might be here a while. I have gotten a transcript of every single word that was said on a full episode of Survivor for you all. <laughs> and she's going to be doing different voices for all of the cast members. All the people. But. I've, uh. Yeah, no. Nope, nope. That's, well, that will not be happening. That will not be happening. No. I'm not a voice actor, clearly. Maybe next week. Maybe. Maybe for a bonus. Maybe one day we do bonus episodes. Yeah. You can get some of that action. Yeah, we'll just, you'll just have to wait and listen to the, the last little bit of the episode to figure out what the theme for next week is to determine will Taylor B. bring it out different voices. My bet? This is true. No, probably not. No, probs not. But you know what you could do? You could just follow us on Instagram at gonna sound weird pod, and then we'll update you if uh, Taylor does, you know, have any weird voices. Yeah, I'll let you know. That's where you can keep up to date with us any day, every day. That's where we at. Twitter? Not so much. Not so much. Not so much. <laughs> all right. Do you go first? I'm going this week? first this week, if that's all right with you. Uh, okay, fine. Yeah, so. This week, I am telling you the story of Louis Zamperini. Ever heard of him? Mm-mm. But uh, if it's the story you told me you were going to do, then <laughs> I'd understand the story. <laughs> All right. Very good. Very good. Well, I'm just going to dive right into it. My sources for this week, Wikipedia, a Shark Week special called Adrift, 47 Days with Sharks. And a documentary called Captured by Grace. Um, you know, the the Louis Zamperini story. Uh, that is, uh, what's his name? Billy Graham. His, he, you know, his documentary. Oh. So if, if, you, if you're from the oh. South and you know who Billy Graham is, give us a shout. So, Louis Zamperini was born on January 26, 1917 in Olean, New York. His parents were Italian immigrants, meaning that Louis really spoke zero English growing up. So when his family moved to Torrance, California in 1919, Louis and his siblings really struggled to fit in. And Louis was often bullied because he didn't speak like any English at all. So his father taught him to box in order to defend himself. 
And pr- Hell yeah. Yeah. And pretty soon, uh, <laughs> Louis was just beating ass left and right. Uh, and so he kind of, you know, was getting into some trouble because, I mean, obviously, when you're the baddest bitch on the block, you gotta, you gotta keep that title. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in order to keep out of trouble, Louis's older brother, Pete, got Louis involved in the school's track team in hopes that that would keep Louis out of trouble. So it turns out Louis took running pretty seriously. He uh, caught on really quickly, and he earned a scholarship to University of Southern California. And in 1936, Louis qualified for the Summer Olympics in Berlin, Germany. And he was only 19 at the time. And fun fact, to this day, he is the youngest American uh, to qualify for the 500-meter race. I don't know, event? Interesting. So. I don't know. You act like I watch the Summer Olympics. I am a Winter Olympics gal. I like the figure skating. If I watch summer, it's usually just diving and gymnastics. Oh, oh yes, absolutely. So, Louis finished 8th in the 5,000, sorry, not 5, I think I said 500. It's the 5,000 meter distance event. Uh, Makes no difference to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I imagine that it's probably 5,000 meters a bit further than 500. I would say so. But I'm not... I'll agree. I'm not not good at math. Uh, So, he finished 8th in that event in the Olympics, and it took him 14 minutes, 49.8 seconds to finish. Uh, which, I mean, you know, eighth place, you know, nothing much to write home about, but in his final lap to finish the race, it only took him 56 seconds to finish that one loop. So, this was pretty impressive, and it was actually so impressive that Adolf Hitler, who attended the event, insisted on meeting Louis. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, That's a little awkward. So, yeah, uh, yeah. In 1939, World War II began, and in September 1941, Louis enlisted in the U.S. Air Force, where he was named second lieutenant. And on May 27, 1943, Louis's bomber suffered from mechanical difficulties, which his bomber is. To my understanding, a plane that just, I don't know, bombs people. That's all it does. Yeah. I assume, I think it's just like a plane, yeah, that just like, care. it's like a bomb plane that drops bombs. Uh, so, his bomber suffered from mechanical difficulties and crashed into the ocean 850 miles south of Oahu. And... Eight of the 11 men on board died, leaving just the pilot, Russell Allen Phillips, Francis McNarma, who's to say? McNamara. McNamara, who's to say? I would assume, yeah. Nope, I'm going to go with what I said. I said... (laughs) McNamara. I would be a really good substitute teacher. 
Would I not? Yeah, them kids would make fun of you. When, with the way... Them kids would roast you. Yeah, I would just be like, is it Smitty? Smith? <laughs> <laughs> Who's to say? Anyways, uh, Anne Louie was also out there. Uh, they were all stranded in the middle of the ocean with no food and no water. Initially, the men had an emergency kit with water and chocolate that they were planning on rationing throughout their time. However, in a panic, Francis ate the men's supply, leaving them without food or water. (laughs) So, yep. uh, Kind of a bitch-ass move, if you ask me. So, in yeah, especially if it was all chocolate. I couldn't eat all that chocolate at once. Absolutely not. I would be so nauseous. I'm gonna be honest. Before we started filming, I had uh, come home. I had made myself a chicken Caesar wrap because I was like, "Oh, that'd be really good." And you know, I, I ate that, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, that felt good." About 30 minutes later, I was so nauseous. I thought I was gonna throw up. In my life, I am in a constant state of either being very, very nauseous. Or being starving. There is no in between. I'm one of the two. Same. And it's hard It's hard to tell the difference a lot of times. Yes, I don't know if I'm nauseous or if I'm hungry sometimes. Like, is my stomach gurgling because I'm about to throw up? Or is it gurgling because I need some a snack? Mm. Anyways. Never know. This isn't about my digestive issues. This is about <laughs> three men in the ocean. So, mm-hmm. uh, in order to survive... The men had to catch fish from the raft, or if a bird just so happened to land on the raft, they would have to kill it with their bare hands and eat it raw. So they were eating Uh raw fish and birds, and then they would collect rainwater in order to drink, because obviously you can't drink ocean water. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, and when they weren't able to catch something, uh, the men would often spend time discussing food in depth, which you would think would cause them, you know, to, you know, oh, don't, you know, like when you're really hungry, you're like, oh, please don't mention the food. I, you know, I'm just so hungry. Evidently, uh-huh. when you're in such a state of starvation, if you begin to kind of visualize food something happens with your brain where you almost have the like I don't know like a psychological sensation of eating actual food so That's interesting. so Louis who had been raised Italian uh spent many hours describing in depth his mother's recipes so he would explain to you like this is how she prepares the meat sauce, and then she adds the ricotta, you know, whatever. And so these men were, like, thinking about this, and that was how they were able to survive, because they were just so fucking hungry. Oh, God. I would, I couldn't imagine. When I get hungry, when I get that hungry, like, I cannot stop pooping straight up. Like, the thing is, if I, if that happened to me, I would be so dehydrated just from, like, straight up not being able to stop pooping. I, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't make it personally. My body is not equipped for that in any shape or form. Now, me personally, that is not what happens to my body. Now, you have been with me. When I get hungry, I'll just be like, I think I'm going to pass out. 
straight up, I think I'm going to pass out. And I, mm. like... My stomach says, mm, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Which normally I'm pretty good. I'll just be like, you know what? Y'all can worry about yourself and I'll go get some food. But you can't, you can't worry about yourself when you're on a raft. Uh, no, it don't really work like that. There's also no food to get, so... It's <laughs> true. Um, anyways... Uh, so, you know, they're, they're dealing with that. And while floating, the men attempt to flag down passing planes, but are, you know, obviously unsuccessful. And at one point, they had been flagging down a plane, and a Japanese bomber passed overhead and began firing at their raft below. And this caused holes God. to be punctured into the raft. Oh. Luckily, no one was hurt, but... In addition to that, they also had to worry about fighting off sharks that circled the raft. Hence the reason there was a Shark Week special. Also, if you've never seen the Shark Week special, mm. I highly recommend. that. That's how I first learned about this story, is from the Shark Week special. It primarily focuses on them floating out into the raft. Anyways... After 33 days at sea, Francis dies. So, Louis and Russell wrap his body and push it overboard and continue to float for several more days. So, after 47 days at floating at sea, Louis and Russell finally see land in the distance. However, before they're able to reach one of the abandoned islands that they are floating up to, they are captured by the Japanese army. They were quickly taken prisoner and transported to, um, I think it's quadrant, quadrulent is how you pronounce it. It's a Japanese word. Uh, sorry if I butchered it. Uh, couldn't be worse than McNamara. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't help with this pronunciation, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> I think it's quadrulent. Um, so quadrulent is known as the execution island. So, most prisoners who are taken there are just questioned and then killed. However, because Louis has this Olympic athlete experience, he is spared and made a prisoner of war instead. Because evidently, I guess other, which this makes sense, because this is even how the, the United States is now. Other countries care more about our sports and our athletics than I feel like the United States does. Like, other countries really hmm. care about the Olympics. We, Americans, we don't really care about it. We got too much going mm -hmm. on. It's because we... I think it's just because we care. I feel like football is the end-all, be-all, like, in America. And other countries, they're... Football and baseball, but I feel like other countries, they're interested in all types of sports, you know? And personally, I am interested in all types of sports. I like football. I do not like baseball, but I like, I love the Olympics. I like to watch it all. So, uh, that's the, the Japanese soldiers already knew who Louis was when he rolled up on the scene, mm -hmm. I guess. So he was spared. However, he was transferred to a prisoner of war camp. And as you could guess, the conditions in this war camp were less than ideal. Yeah. In fact, they were disgusting. Several men were living on top of each other. They were forced to sleep in the same uh, room where they, you know, 
peed and pooped. So it was just like, mm-hmm. you know, your waste as well as like the waste of several other men. <clears throat> and you were just piled Ooh. on top of each other. And they were also essentially starved because they were given seaweed to eat. Which... Not very filling. Not very filling. I've had the little seaweed cracker things, you know, those little crisps. And, 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 uh-huh. those, no. and those are like, you can eat a whole pack of that for like, I don't know, 10 calories. Very little ca- Yeah, that's what the, like, the keto people like to eat. A lot of people who are, you know, more calorie conscious. Um, yeah, definitely not going to fill you up. No, definitely not. It's like eating celery or something. Oh, yeah, it's one of those negative vegetables. But because the men were starving so often, they discussed food much like they did on the raft. So they would sort of play mm. out this fantasy of eating food. So Louis would provide the men with this fictional meal in their head by, again, describing his mother's italian recipes except instead of doing it to a raft of you know two other men he's doing it to basically the whole camp in order to sustain them all which which i would imagine that would have a good amount of psychological toll because you're like oh my god i can't just worry about me not starving to death i always have i also have like the weight of other people on my shoulders because they're relying on me to describe lasagna oh yeah i couldn't do it i mean i I don't know i guess though if you're just kind of if you need to describe it for yourself maybe other people are just listening while you do it i guess i don't know but he's also he's a pretty strong dude i would say like mentally so he seems like he can take the weight of other people yeah. needing needing some help. Uh, I'm not good with that. I could never be like a nurse. Uh, to some extent, I have some, you know, some empathy for people. I'm like, oh, you got some issues. On the other hand, I'm like, absolutely not. Can you just fuck off? Just leave me alone. God, leave me alone. Yeah, I'm not great. I'm not a great comforter. Mm-mm. So, uh, I think that would not be the job for I me. I think I'm better a comforter than you are, but still not good. I just kind of look at people, be like, "Yo, I, you sure?" And if they say, "Yeah," I, I'm not going past that. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> I feel that. I will not. I feel that. Even if I know you're lying, per- also it comes from for me. You know, if something's going on with me, and you ask me, you're like, "You all right?" And I say, "Yeah," I don't want you to ask me again. Do not ask me again. If there was seriously something wrong, I'll let you know. So I just treat everybody that the same way. That's how I... Ain't no need to play around. That's how I feel. My coworker, I knew she was upset the other day. So I said, are you okay? And she said, yeah. And I said, mm, all right. And uh, next right. thing... Next it. thing I know, she crying. I didn't... I didn't... Oh, I didn't say nothing to nobody. I didn't ask her how she was. I was like, if she wants to talk about Mm-mm. it, she will tell me what happened. And she didn't tell me anything about it. So she must not want have ta- wanted to talk about it. If I cry in public, you better not say nothing about it. You better not speak to me. Nah. You've cried in front of me and I've just ignored it. You better. <laughs> don't, don't say nothing. <laughs> Anyways. So, while in camp, in, uh, Louis also endured a lot of hard manual labor. So, they used these prisoners 
as workers, essentially. And in addition to this, he was also constantly tormented by a prison card named, now, I will be butchering this. Uh, It's Matsuro Wantobi. It's Japanese. Um, He is also known as the bird. So I will be referring to him as the bird for the duration of this story. Uh, And the bird would later be named one of the 40 most wanted Japanese war criminals by General Douglas MacArthur. And the bird took special interest in Louis because he knew that he was this, you know, once great Olympic athlete. So Mm -hmm. he made it his mission to break Louis. So anytime he had a time to pick on him, he would do it. And if he had a way to make Louis's job 10 times harder or make the conditions 10 times harder, he was going to do it because he was just wanting to break his spirit. And at one point, Louis endured beatings 10 days in a row by the bird. Mm. And in the documentary, he discusses how one day he didn't look the bird in the eye. So he got the shit beat out of him one day. And so the next day, he looked him in the eye. He got a shit beat out of him the next day. Mm. You know what I mean? He was like, why are you looking at me? So he didn't look at him. And then he was like, uh-huh. why aren't you looking at me? So he's like, man, I can't win. So uh, Louis was held captive in the camp until the end of 1940, or sorry, until the end of the war, which ended in 1945. And at this point, Louis had been had lost over 100 pounds and was weighing at around 62 pounds, which... Oh, God. Uh, how much does Tex weigh? Uh, about 59. Yeah, so... Uh, to 60 About pounds. the weight of Taylor's dog. And this is... And my dog isn't very big. Yeah. So, he's he was very like, malnourished. He was very weak. Uh, oh, my God. And That's just, like, the weight of a skeleton. Essentially. Uh, and Literally. And he had been pronounced uh dead by the u.s government stating that he had been killed in action in 1944 so he had gone missing they knew he was missing when his plane crashed uh and after Mm -hmm. a year of him being missing they pronounced him dead and when he had been released from camp after the war he had been missing for two years So, he ends up returning home, and he is given a hero's welcome, as he should have. Uh, And Mm -hmm. things start to look up for him. He meets this real nice lady in 1946 named Cynthia Applegate, and the two get married. And they have two children, Sissy and Luke. And he's gone on to have many documentaries and books based on him, most notably being the movie Unbroken which was directed by Angelina Jolie. And... Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, the more you know. Uh, And he lived until the age of 97. Shit. He died in July 2nd, 2014. So, that is the story of Louis Zamperini. Uh, It's not as true crimey as I feel like 
I've done in the past. I feel like I tend to lean more towards true crime and you normally go for more of the history. But I really think that this story is mm-hmm. re- very interesting. And I mean, who doesn't love a good World War II story? I, you know, I'm a history gal and I've always loved World War II stories. And his story is crazy. I've watched the mo- I watched that movie with my family and it was really good. Um, very emotional. Yeah. But. Yeah, but I would, I would recommend the Unbroken movie or, uh, if you can get the Shark Week special, it's also very good. Yeah, I'd like to watch the Shark Week special. I think that would be good. I love a, I love a good Shark Week. Oh, 100%. I love Shark Week. When's that come around? August? Uh, Go wait till August. July or August. I, they I always so. put it sometime yeah. in the summer because then it makes you question, do I want to go to the beach? The answer is always yes. Get in the ocean. Get out there up in it. If you get bit by a shark, well, that's going to suck. Uh, but at least you got bit by a shark while you're doing something fun. I know you don't like to get in the ocean very much, but. I do not like to get in the ocean very much, but I do like drinking a beer on the beach. Honestly, I, like I just to like both. to drink a beer anywhere. At this point. I do too. and I just need a beer. Same. And I'll give y'all a word of warning about beer on the beach. If you're going to drink a beer with lime on the beach. Oh, God. Be careful. Wash, wash the lime off because you can get these things called like, you can get like lime burns. It will burn your skin and give you this unknown rash. It happened to me last year. Freaked me out. I had to call the doctor. Turns out the lime on your the lime juice on your skin, the sun reacts with it, it give you a rash. Just the more you know. For all y'all out there who are gonna be drinking a beer this summer on the beach. Yeah. Or anyone who's putting Unless. a lime in a coconut. And shaking it all up. <laughs> Anyways, thank you for that story. Yeah, absolutely. You are welcome. No I'm Clint. I'm Jeremy. And we're the host of the Know This Trivia podcast. Where we quiz each other on various topics from pop culture to politics to even pizza. Come for our trivia and stay for our witty remarks. Well, in Jeremy's case, it's going to be something cheesy. Quick, Clint, what was the most streamed TV show in 2020? The Gambit's Queen. The, wait, the Queen's Gambit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't a Netflix original. It was The Office. Oh, oh man, why did I? Okay, whatever. Yeah, obviously. And it was crazy. Blew out the ranks. So if you want more of that, listen in, learn with us, laugh with us, and subscribe to the Know This Trivia Podcast. New episodes every other Monday and find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Know This. Okay. Are we ready for my story? I am. Let me uh, let me just crack open this before I start. You want to hear my crack now? Yeah. Nice. That's the stuff. I'm going to have to edit that down. It was very loud. Anyone who's listening with he- headphones, good lord. <laughs> their, ears, their eardrums just busted. Okay. So, my story is... The story of Jose Salvador Alvarenga. 
I think I'm saying that wow. correctly. Who's, I'm just gonna... who's the bitch that can't say words now? <laughs> well, I'm just going to call him Jose because I know how to say that. So my sources are Wikipedia, history.com, uh, which is the article was five stunning real life true, five stunning real life survival stories. All that's interesting.com. And the article was The Incredible Story of Jose Salvador Alvarenga, and it was by Katie Serena. So, it's November 17th, 2012. Jose sets out from the village of Costa Azul, Mexico, on a professional fishing trip um, with another young fisherman named Ezequiel Cordoba. Now, Ezekiel isn't his usual fishing partner because Jose's usual fishing partner couldn't go with him. But he was like, you know what, Ezekiel, he'll be fine. We're going on a pretty short fishing trip. So the two had never fished together. Nah, this is just um, like Ezekiel Gilligan's was... Island. This is just, you take the incompetent <laughs> skipper with you and they're going to be on a three-hour tour. We already know shit's about to go sideways. Well, so, you know... Ezekiel was fairly inexperienced, but Jose was like, you know what, it's fine. I'm really experienced. So they were planning, they were going to plan to be out fishing for about 30 hours, which apparently was a pretty short trip. Can you hear that? We're back. Okay. So Jose and Ezekiel, they planned to be out fishing for about 30 hours, which they considered a short trip. Not so short to me, but to them, I guess as opposed to, I guess, a few days fishing trips, they were going to go deep sea fishing. And they were out looking for sharks, tuna, mahi-mahi, because apparently those fish were pretty uh, pretty expensive. And apparently the fishing village that they were coming from, there was really big, there was a lot of competition. And so they were really hoping to go out there and bring back, like, a bunch of fish, bring back an impressive haul, get a lot of money, you know, it was supposed to be just a simple old thing. It's just like if you've ever watched Wicked Tuna. They go out, they get the big fish, <laughs> they take it back to their, how much money they're going to get for it. If any of you watch tu- uh, Wicked Tuna with your dad, that's what me and my dad do. That's how we bond. Watch Wicked Tuna and Pawn Stars. LOL. I love Pawn Stars. I don't watch Wicked Tuna, but your dad's a f- your dad likes to fish, so that makes sense. My dad watches car auctions. Not very fun. Boo. Boo. Uh, So anyway, so the boat that they were out fishing in, I guess, you know, they weren't going to be out there very long. So they were in a pretty small boat. It was a 23-foot topless fiberglass skiff that had a single outboard motor. So just one motor. And a refrigerator-sized icebox for storing the fish that they were going to catch. So... Early on in the trip, like really early, they were already being pretty successful and they caught over 1,000 pounds of fish already and it almost overloaded the icebox. So they were doing pretty good. But just a few hours into the trip, they ran into a storm and the storm lasted for five days and blew them off of their course which I am terrified of storms. So a five-day storm sounds like my own personal hell. Out in the middle of the ocean in a tiny little boat. So they attempted, like during the storm, they attempted to like steer back towards the shore, but the visibility was like impossible. 
and they ended up having to get rid of all the fish that they caught because they had like a thousand pounds so it was weighing down the boat and I guess it was harder to like maneuver so they had to throw overboard all the fish and when the storm ended they were out in the middle of the sea so Jose attempted to call his boss on the ship's radio and he managed to like call in but then the ship's radio battery died before he was like able to give any details and (laughs) I know and at that point all of the other boats like electronics had been disabled due to the storm so they were they were stuck and the motor on the boat was damaged like it wouldn't work and this was a problem because the boat didn't have any sails or any oars or even an anchor so they were just drifting out in the open ocean you know because I guess if they had like sails or oars they could like at least go in a direction any direction uh but they were just stuck and I guess you can't paddle very well with your hands no I've seen that in cartoons it doesn't go well no And also at this point, any fishing gear that they'd had, because, you know, they went out there fishing, but pretty much all their fishing gear was lost or damaged. And they, at this point, only had, like, small amount of basic supplies and very little food. Um, You know, as it would be, you're only out there for 30 hours. And I would, you were only planning to be there for 30 hours. And I can see, um, you know, you've been in a storm. I'm sure your topless boat, all your stuff's just flung out. But Jose's boss, at this point, you know, he knows that he's out there. So he organized a search party to go look for the missing men. But after two days, the search party gave up because the visibility in the ocean was still very poor. And they were just like, they just assumed that the two had drowned at sea. So they were like, well, we tried. Which I'm like, I mean, I guess it's your boss. So, well, I don't know how much they can do really you know like I guess they can't be out there all day and night searching for you in the middle of the ocean having no idea where you're at sounds to me like they just threw in the towel they're like eh we're not we go we go find them in all this ocean you know how big the ocean is no which I would which they said the storm lasted five hour no five days but they said the visibility was still pretty bad so honestly it might have still been a little stormy out there I couldn't say maybe they didn't want to lose more people out in the ocean But the days turned into weeks, and the two men on the boat started to having, you know, scavenge for food. And they were trying to find anything they could to stay alive. So kind of like in your story, they were able to catch raw fish, turtles, jellyfish, and birds. Oh, not the turtles. Uh Uh-huh. They caught all those with their bare hands. And they also were able to collect some rainwater to drink, but more often they were forced to drink turtle blood and their own urine to stay hydrated. Um, and I read somewhere where they they um, they maybe have mixed the turtle blood in the urine. Oh. Um. So to do what? Guess, Add I mean, more flavor. Know. I don't know. I guess they thought that the blood was, like, hydrating. Maybe it was. Um, But, you know, now the weeks have turned into months. Oh, my God. Um, Yeah, so Ezekiel was losing hope. And he's the not-experienced fisherman. He was losing hope. He was becoming sick from all the raw food they were eating. And 
he was just mentally and physically just like not well. And unfortunately, he died from starvation after refusing to eat any more of the raw food. So, after Ezekiel died, Jose said that for about four days or so, he himself contemplated um, completing suicide, but said that his strong Christian faith ultimately led him not to do so. And also before Ezekiel died, I guess Ezekiel, he knew he was going to die, and so he made Jose promise that he would not eat his corpse. So he was like, hey, man, if I die, please do not eat me. Which I'm like, at that I'm point, a, I'll be like, I'm look, man, to... if I die and you need to stay alive, you can eat me. I don't care. Because, <laughs> I mean, at that point, you're either going to get eat or you're just going to fall to the... I mean, you're just going in the ocean, you know? No. Probably. I don't know about it. Now, me and you have had this conversation before. If if me and you died, would you take a little... If Would you take a little nibble if I died? I mean, it depends on what you died of, probably. Well, here's the thing. I don't want to eat another person, but, like, here's the thing. If you were to, like, if something were to happen to your arm, like, it just got clean cut off just by an accident, if you could take a bite of your own arm, would you? Just to see? Maybe. I've said maybe. I'm going to say a hard maybe. Now, if it has to get, if it has to get cut off because it's, like, got an infection, obviously no. Has to know. But I'm gonna. But I'm a, either way, is I'm gonna say a hard, a hard maybe for me. Um, but I also know if me and you were to die, or not, well, both of us wouldn't die. If me and you were trapped in some situation, I know, I know you'd probably eat me, because in a in a situation where it is life or death, Taylor is the bitch. She will push you over to get out the door. If there's a fire, do not expect her to save your child. She is going to take you out. No, Which I- I'm a I'm a really a, an every man for themselves because you know I have trapped people inside of not completely trapped, but I've had two situations to where one there was a fire in my house in the microwave. My brother caused it, but my little brother, I'm talking like three year old brother, was standing in the doorway. And I, when I got freaked out, instead of, you know, pushing my little brother outside with me, because I thought the house was burning down, I took him and pushed him in the house, and then I ran outside. My mother was not happy with that choice. <laughs> Listen, he needs to learn from a young age. You know, you got to save yourself in these in these streets. You gotta save yourself first. Uh, the house did not burn down. It was just a Chick-fil-A sandwich that my brother had put in the microwave in, you know, that little aluminum wrapper. It was fine. Everything was fine. Uh, but I was not about to be stuck inside that house burning down. <laughs> and that's why we have this podcast today, because Taylor didn't die that day. Exactly. But, you know, Jose is a better man than I uh, because he did not eat Ezekiel. He kept his promise and he did not eat the corpse. He actually kept the body on the boat for a while. Um, and he would, he started talking to, he still would talk to it as if, you know, Ezekiel was still like alive. But about s- after six days of keeping the body on the boat and talking to it, Jose realized that he was losing his sanity and he ended up throwing the body overboard. Which, honestly, that's very self-aware. 
uh, to be out in the middle of the ocean for months and then be like, you know what? I think I'm going a little crazy. I'm going to go ahead and get rid of the thing that's making me even more crazy. So I commend him on that because I probably would have talked to that body for as long as I could have. Mm-hmm, 100%. I, I already talk way too much. So, you know, the thought of not being able to talk to anybody, I, I probably, I, shit, I'd be talking to this beer can right here. Uh, so while he was stuck out at sea, Jose said that he actually saw multiple transoceanic container ships, but he was never able to get any help, which I just assumed they probably didn't see him. Like they were probably way off in the distance and there, you know, there's no way that some massive ship is going to see you. Um, but he kind of past the time and was able to keep track of the time he had been stuck at sea by counting the phases of the moon. And after counting the 15th lunar cycle, he actually spotted a small island. It was a tiny desolate island which was on the corner of the Marshall Islands, which is located in the Central Pacific Ocean. Yes, actually, so. uh, the islands that Louis floats up to is part of the Marshall Islands. Interesting. It all connects. Well, well, if we can note, uh, Jose started in Mexico, if that gives you Good. Any, yeah. <laughs> any indication. Yeah, yeah. So, I said he floated a, a decent long while. Uh-huh. So, when he spotted the island, it was now January 30th, 2014. And we started this journey in 2012. Oh! Uh, so, at this point, he had been out at sea for over a year. Um, he ended up abandoning the boat when he saw the island and swam ashore, which I'm like, I don't, I couldn't even fathom that. You've barely eaten and you're going to have, because I assume he probably had to swim a pretty long way, you know? Like, he didn't bump up against the island. Um, so, when he got to shore, he stumbled um, up to a beach house that he found, and it was owned by a local couple, and they immediately contacted the local authorities. So, when the local authorities got there and the medics got there, uh, they said that Jose's vital signs were, quote, good. And I was like, literally, how? Um, the only exception, really, was that his blood pressure was unusually low, And he had some swollen ankles, and he was treated, you know, on an IV drip for dehydration. But other than that, he was, like, fairly okay. And there's pictures of him, like, like soon-ish after he got, like, saved. And he doesn't look like he's been stuck out at sea for over a year. Um, I mean, he does because, you know, his hair and his beard are really, really all out there. Um... But by the time Jose had made it to safety, he had traveled approximately 5,500 miles to 6,700 miles. Like, I don't even, I mean, I don't even, it's crazy to think that you would even move that far. I mean, he'd been out there for a year, but still. Um, It's crazy to me that nobody found him, nobody saw him, because... I know. When did this happen? 2012? Yeah. That is not that long ago, people. Uh, And, and like, what was going on? We had smartphones back then, and y'all telling me you can't find a whole-ass man in the ocean? Couldn't be me. 
this is this story has inspired me to never go on a cruise again. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so he had traveled uh, very far, and he had been stuck out there for actually he'd been stuck out there for thirteen months. So a very long time. But when he was found, this part was kind of interesting. I I'm, I don't I need to know the backstory. Jose's parents were overjoyed to hear that Jose was still alive because they'd actually lost contact with him years before he went missing. And they assumed that he was already probably dead anyways. And so I guess when this, you know, was most likely in the news, they're like, oh my gosh, amazing. (laughs) Which I don't know the full story to that, but that struck me as interesting. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to label that one as interesting. Yeah, but his daughter, he had a daughter, and she was very happy, obviously, after he returned home. And she said, quote, the first thing I'll do is hug him and kiss him. So that's sweet. She, you know, she missed her dad, which obviously, which I assume most people probably thought he was dead because, you know. Yes, both of these stories, both my story and your story, really remind me of in uh, Castaway, Tom Hanks, where... He's uh-huh. gone for so long that everyone just assumes he's dead and you know everyone has to kind of go back to life without him. So I feel like that would be a lot to try to like come back to the real world after everyone oh, yeah. thinking you're dead. Yes. And so the this story is clearly amazing. Like how did this happen? But it was almost too amazing for some people to believe it. A lot of people thought that it was completely unbelievable and implausible. So, commentators were mostly curious as to how he survived that long on a small boat and remained relatively healthy. A lot of them were like, he should have at least gotten scurvy from the lack of vitamin C. Because, you know, a lot of, like, people, like sailors would get scurvy like back in the day Mm -hmm. but there was an interview with an employee of duke university um i don't know if it was a professor or not but they said that fresh meat from both birds and turtles contains vitamin c and jose claimed to have eaten a lot which could have provided sufficient vitamin c to prevent scurvy which it sounded like he was uh, doing a lot with the turtles so interesting also though i don't i don't i find it weird that he was eating so many turtles you don't think of turtles just being out for the picking in the middle of the ocean no also because from what i understand about sea turtles if uh, say there's 200 eggs in a nest there there's not that many mm-hmm. but there's a there's a decent amount there's at least 100 if there's 200 something crazy like only one or two of the turtles will return so, I, I yeah. just find it interesting that there's that many available to eat. Maybe that's why they're all endangered, is because he ate them all. People, he ate them all. But, yeah, that seems uh, interesting to me. Uh, there was also some, I didn't go too far in depth with this, but there was some controversy initially over the names. Like, the names of the people, I guess, when they initially went missing were wrong, um, but in the end, it was all sorted out, and they were like, I think it was just probably pe- journalists who didn't quite have the right information. But 
In the end, despite the various questions concerning the legitimacy of his story, um, in 2014, Jose's lawyer told the press that he had taken and passed a polygraph test while being asked questions about his experience. So most of the suspicions kind of stopped there, which honestly, I'm like, okay, even if the story sounds implausible, like the man was still missing for well over a year and he clearly was not okay like you know I don't like how did he end up on this Marshall Islands because he clearly was there so either way I couldn't see him what was he island hopping for the past year and a half and just decided to fabricate a story doesn't seem likely to me no probably not I just think people were just very shocked and were like, this can't be, this can't be I mean, true. I definitely get that, though, because I myself, if something is too unbelievable, I just decide not to believe it. I'll be like, you know what? No. It, it, I can't wrap my head around it. I don't want to understand it. Goodbye. <laughs> so, after he had been found, or he found land, he spent about 11 days in the hospital, and then at that point he was deemed healthy enough to return to El Salvador, but he was diagnosed with anemia after that, which, not really surprised, and he ended up developing um, a fear of water, which, not surprised that by that out. either. That checks out. Yeah. And then in 2015, he gave a series of interviews about his experience that ended up being turned into a book called 438 Days, An Extraordinary True Story of a Survival at Sea, which I would like to read that book. That sounds interesting to me. And then this part, this is the last part, and this part's kind of wild. So shortly after the book was published, the family of Ezekiel the other man that was in the boat with him, sued Jose for $1 million, accusing him of cannibalizing (gasps) Ezekiel in order to survive. But to this point, Jose and Jose's lawyer have denied this accusation. So that is the story of Jose getting stuck at sea. Um, crazy story. The whole lawsuit at the end, really, I was just like, this is too much. The can- the cannibalism just had to come back around. Yeah, it always comes back. Anyways, I found that. I, uh, I was looking up a bunch of different stories, but I always find sea survival stories just very fascinating. T- because, like, surviving out in the woods, like, I feel a you got options when you're in the woods. When you're in the ocean, there's nothing you can do. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, what are you doing? Fighting off bears? What, you gonna make a fire? I've seen the Hunger Games. I've seen it. Uh, now, floating out in the ocean? Yeah. You're limited. Also, I find it so yeah. scary because the ocean is scary, and I don't care who knows it. Uh, I grew up at the beach. I love the beach. I love ocean life. However, the ocean is scary. We know more about space than we do the ocean. There, You know what? You could have said, you know, Jose floated out there for three months and then a megalodon shark ate him. And I'd be like, yeah, that checks out because megalodon sharks probably still out there, right? 
Well, I actually saw like an article today. I didn't click on it, but it said that they've recently located a shark, like a big ass shark that's like 400 years old. So now I'm going to have to Google that. See, (laughs) I'm telling you every single year they they're like, hey, guess what? We found this thing that we thought was extinct. And where the hell is it? Always in the ocean. Always. Look. Yeah, I love the ocean. I get in the ocean. Um, I get up in there. I've only got stung by jellyfish once, so, you know, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't great. Uh, but, yeah, the ocean's pretty scary. I'm also scared of the woods, though, so, you know, it is what I'm it just is. just scared. <laughs> I'm just scared of everything. <laughs> I'm just scared. <laughs> Anyways, what Anyways. is uh, the theme for next week? It is government conspiracy theories. Oh, yeah. Again, that, hey, we're going to mention Joe again this week. Uh, Joe, my friend Joe, shout out to Joe. He has been begging me to do a government conspiracy theory uh, episode for months. And I'm like, listen, I'll get to it when I get to it, Joe. Well, we got to it, Joe, next week. Better listen. This one uh, freaks me out a little bit. I will probably be doing, like, not a modern government conspiracy theory, but one from the past, just in case. Sydney, you can do whatever you'd like. <laughs> if I go missing, I guess I'll be gone. She'll be gone. She didn't do it. Just know that we should search for her. That's what we do know. Yes. I've said this many times on this podcast. If I go missing, please look for me. I did not run away. I did not run away. I don't even like running. Um, Like, I don't. I'm not a jogger. I'm not not. a jogger. So, what makes you think that I could run away? (laughs) Absolutely not. Uh, Uh, Don't forget to follow us on Instagram. I mentioned that at the beginning of the pod. But it's gonna sound Mm -hmm. weird pod and we have a tiktok now yeah we do we got like three posts they've all been from me hell yeah (laughs) i got an idea for one it's really gonna be good though y'all that's why you gotta follow um we're really trying to get in with the the younger kids the cool kids um cool kids i'm gonna wear i'm gonna stop wearing skinny jeans and my hair has been parted my hair has been parted down the middle since december so take that youngins Mine's been like this for actually a couple years now. So the skinny jeans, I'm still going to wear those. Um, Here's the thing. I have zero butt. uh, And so the baggy jeans make it look like I have even negativer butt. So it's just, it's not going to happen. Also, my boots, my Doc Martens, and my Blundstones look better with the skinny jean. That's all I got to say. I feel that. I feel that. Uh, I mean, I don't feel that because I got more of a booty than you. But I empathize. Uh, also, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, please. <laughs> and you can send us your weird yeah. story at this is gonna sound weird at gmail.com. And uh, we'll send you a koozie or, you know, a sticker. And you know what? You can get a koozie and you could drink a beer like us. We're cheers. Yeah, you can. It'll be fun. We're cheersing cheers. over, we're cheersing oh. over Zoom. A nice big gulp. Is that it? Yep. All right. I think that's, that's it. That's it. Y'all have a good week. Y'all stay weird. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye.